0: Hey everybody out there, this is Pat Torpy from Mr. Big, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, what's happening? This is Jerry Dixon, and I'm a rockaholic, and you are listening to Iron City Rocks. Thank you very much. Great enough.
1: Hey everybody, this is Paul Gilbert, and you are logging on to and listening to Iron City Rocks. Oh!
2: Hello and welcome to episode 340 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host John Company from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing the best rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues talk on the net. Episode 340. We have two special guests joining us for the second time: bassist Jerry Dixon of the band Warrant. It's going to come on and talk about the album they've just released uh, that's out now on Frontiers Records, uh, and also a show they're going to be doing in. Uh, Pittsburgh market later on in the fall. So we'll get to Jerry in just a little bit, but joining us first from the band Mr. Big, we have a 2011 inductee into our Iron City Rocks, Pittsburgh Music Hall of Fame. We have Mr. Paul Gilbert joining us to talk about their new album, Define Gravity, which will be out in July, I believe July 7th, and a show they're going to be doing at Jurgles and Warrendale on June 6th. Uh, So we're going to get all the information on the new album from PG himself. So gonna play you a little mr big and let's get into that interview with paul gilbert Yeah gentlemen my pleasure to welcome to the show the amazing paul gilbert how are you doing today paul i'm doing
1: amazing thank you very much
2: well it is i have to say it's certainly a pleasure we've been doing this show now for eight years and i think we've had you know i can't imagine how many hundreds of guests but uh, you were always at the top of that list being a hometown guy uh, at heart uh, hailing from greensburg originally can you talk before we get into the new album can you just talk a little bit about you know growing up in the area and when it was you actually moved out
1: yeah well i uh I lived in Greensburg from when I was about three or four, I think. Uh, my parents moved to a couple different uh, houses, but the main place I was in was, was actually closer to Delmont, okay. uh, outside of Greensburg. And then uh, I was there until I was 17. I, I moved uh, to L.A. to go to school, uh, go to a music school when I was 17. So I was, I was there for you know, 12, 13 years.
2: So, uh, what you, you obviously took up the guitar if you went on to be in a music school, but um, did, did you have particular teachers in the area, or how did you get drawn into the guitar at that age?
1: Well, it, uh, I wanted to play anything. I wanted to sing. I, I just, you know, my parents had the Beatles albums and, and a lot of other cool rock albums, so I really, I was really excited about that. And my uncle played guitar really well, so it was inspiring to watch him play. But he, he didn't live locally. He was from Chicago, so. Um, I, t- I took some lessons from a guy named Chuck Macy when I was about 11 for a couple of years after that. Um, there was a guy named Larry. I don't remember his last name, though. I was, I was around 12. True. and by, by that time, you know, the, the, the thing that was really valuable that those guys taught me was how to learn by ear. Mm-hmm. And so uh, from that point, I, I really just you know, my my teachers were my albums, and and going to see a lot of concerts. You know, I used to go see shows at the Stanley Theater and the Civic Arena, and in Greensboro even the Palace Theater. Uh, I saw a couple of bands, and and mm-hmm. so you know, I was always going to see shows, and and that and my record collection and was great. And of course, just all playing with the other musicians too. I almost always was playing with musicians that were you know five or ten years older than me, and so they would turn me on to new music and and show me stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the best education in the world, just jamming with other people.
2: Yeah, I think that it's certainly you hear that a lot, you know, of musicians, especially, you know, accomplished musicians such as yourself, say it's it's when you start playing out with other musicians that it really starts to, you know, the rubber meets the road. Um, you, you moved to Los Angeles. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the years prior to Racer X?
1: Oh, well, the... Uh I mean, basically, in, in Pennsylvania, I was in a lot of cover bands mm-hmm. and uh, tried to write some original stuff, but mostly just doing covers. And then uh, when I got out to LA, you know, I, I went to school and, and not only was it nice to, you know, learn more about music, but it was just a building full of other musicians because it wasn't just guitar. It was, there was also a school for bass and drums. And so, uh, you know, immediately, <laughs> I think my first day of school, I was already in four bands. You know, I was in, yeah. They got the school band, you know, a friend of mine had hooked me up with some other people. It was just, immediately I was playing with so many other musicians. And uh, when I was living in Pennsylvania, I'd, I had been communicating with um, a guy named Mike Varney, who was an a indie indie record producer that that's focused on, on guitar music. And uh, I had sent him enough music where he already wanted to do a record with me, and uh, it was just a matter of forming a band and so, you know, I, I sort of, you know, from day one, that was my goal, is just, you know, finding people to play with, putting the material together, and, and trying to get the record together.
2: How hard, I mean, in that era, how hard was it to find musicians who were equally like-minded, you know, that were really serious about it as opposed to, you know, I imagine in, in Los Angeles and even Pennsylvania in that there are a lot of people who were kind of in bands for things to do. You know, was, you were in a band because you played guitar as a hobby, and that was what you did. Um, but how how hard was it to find serious musicians to work with?
1: It, uh, I mean, that that was the thing about LA is, is most of the people that I met in LA were not from LA. You know, they were the people like me who who had come sort of seeking like-minded, you know, people who were who were lifers. You know, people who were, you know, going to do this at all costs. And uh, and then in Pennsylvania, I I thought there some great musicians, really top top level people, but a lot of them. Would get, you know, sort of uh, distracted by life. You know, they would, you know, I, I was, uh, in, in a way, fortunate enough not to be popular with the girls. So it, um, I had nothing to do but play guitar. You know, I had other friends that would have a girlfriend, and they'd go, "Oh, I can't make it to rehearsal today. You know, I got to go out with with uh, so and so." And uh, so, you know, and, and of course, this was the era of big hair and you know I had gotten a couple perms to try to have you know the proper big hair look and and if you get too many perms it sort of destroys your hair so by the time I got to LA my, my hair was 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 a horrible mess and uh, and that also you know kept my social life at a in a pretty poor state which allowed me to focus on the instrument so you know what what at the time was pretty frustrating because I, I really wanted to you know start having a better social life Sure. Uh, you know it it didn't happen so you know the next best thing was spend time with my guitar and that turned out turned out really good
2: yeah that's a relationship that certainly lasted quite a long time now um you guys have a a fantastic new record out had a chance to listen to it uh, defying gravity um can you talk a little bit about that collection of songs and how they all came together at this point
1: yeah well it uh we we I said the first thing is we've decided on a producer, which was Kevin Elson, and he was the guy that produced our, our early records, um, our first four albums. So it was it was great to work with him again. And then it was just a matter of finding a time when we're all available, because you know in the old days all we did was Mister Big, so you know we we knew everybody was available. But now we've all got you know other stuff going on, and uh, so we found about a week of free time to do it. And of course you know. It, before that week we we're all writing and putting songs together and uh it was the perfect amount of time and you know it was it was kind of insane pressure beforehand you know we're all going like Is this going to be even possible but you know being on this side of it you know when it's done and it's finished and it turned out great um it, it really that 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 pressure worked for our advantage or worked to our advantage i should say um you know it gave the record the recording process energy you know we we're, we're you know just enough you know it was enough uh enough time to get it done right but not enough time to to start <laughs> making to start making bad decisions and screwing it up
2: yeah overthinking it I, i'm so glad to hear you say that the music was written before you went in the studio because originally i'd seen that it was you know six days or whatever it was in the studio like and my goodness how did they write this record this get this this good in six days you know this is like half of what led zeppelin did led zeppelin 2 in but
1: yeah well, there were at least on my end a couple songs that I had started, and uh, I, I was so inspired by how well the recording process was going that that um, you know I got up early before breakfast and you know on maybe on day four and day five and and, and finished those up, and so uh, the song "Mean to Me" and the song "Be Kind" were things that I had about you know had about half finished, but I you know, managed to you know write another verse and come up with a bridge and and brought those in and. Uh, the, th- the thing that's so inspiring is, is, with you know, with Mr. Big, you really can come in with just the the, the bare framework of a song. You know, I just had the lyrics, the arrangement, a riff, and you know, you play it for everybody, which is which is a uh, can be a nerve-wracking experience because you're you're not playing like a perfect demo. You're just sort of playing the the buskers version, and then uh, you know, hopefully you get the thumbs up and everybody is willing to work on it and it is really exciting then to see this this skeletal version of something turn into something that's you know got the professional sparkle on it.
2: Yeah, it is and it sounds fantastic. Uh, may I ask whose voice is it that that leads off not only this album but your first record the Okay We're Rolling? Is that Oh, that
1: yeah, that's uh, it Kevin also. It's so cool to hear that. Yeah, that that's uh, that's uh that's Kevin. And you know, although we did work with him back in the day, we, we hadn't really worked with him since I guess 1995 or 96 something like that so mm-hmm. you know it's been 20 years since we really worked with him and, and uh it was just so nice to see him and, and he always does a great job yeah
2: um i, I have to ask uh, the song 1992 um who, who put the lyrics together for that one i have to you know you smile the whole way through that song
1: yeah that's uh, that, that's one of mine I actually
2: that one that was a
1: lyric first song even though it's sort of even though there's a lot going on musically mm-hmm. um I just had the title, and you know, from that seed, the uh, the, the, the song grew. And obviously, it's a, a nod back to very specifically 1992, when when you know we had a number one single with the song "To Be With You," and uh, you know the band really took off.
2: Now, um, let's rewind the clock. Now, what is it, 25 years, give or take? Um, can you give us any perspective on what that was like? I mean, obviously you had had the song, it was the second single, or if, at least the second single from the album, if memory serves me correctly. Did you guys have any inkling that it would explode like that?
1: Uh, we, we, did, we didn't. I mean, it um, it was a song in a way that we were a little worried about. I mean, we loved it, which is why we put it on the record. But, you know, we we sort of uh, were trying to have a rock hit. You know, we're trying to be this heavy, loud... You know, sort of semi semi museoid rock band, and so to have a a, you know acoustic pop ballad on the record, we thought, oh man, I don't know if our you know our shred fans are going to accept this, but we just liked it so much. We thought, well, let's put it on the end. You know, we can get away with it. And uh, and actually, was uh, at first it was never released as a single, and a radio station somewhere in in Nebraska, I think it was, um, they. Just on their own, started playing it. So it, it wasn't promoted, you know. Nobody, nobody promoted it at all. It was just sort of grassroots, you know. This, some DJ heard it and went like, "I don't care if it's not a single. I'm, I, I like it." Mm-hmm. And uh, he started playing it, and it went to number one at his station. And then, you know, that, you know, the, the the next city over got wind of that, so they played it. And then, you know, we get a call like, "Hey, your your uh, your song's number one." And these in these cities, and, and from there we went. Oh, well, maybe maybe this song has some life to it. So uh, you know, then we got the machinery <laughs> working. Out, and our manager started doing whatever managers do to uh, to start promoting the song, and you know, it, it went uh, nationally and then internationally.
2: Yeah, I imagine a manager salivating is probably the <laughs> word. You mean, you know, yep. you know, Atlantic Records? I'm sure was was delighted to have something like that because I remember that was a very odd time for you know. You mentioned shred. It was a you know kind of a challenging time because you know the Alice in Chains and, and the Nirvana's were knocking at the door, but here you know this kind of as you mentioned sort of a poppy hit you know from our these shred gods and it's all over the radio you know between you and Extreme it was like the, you know the world was coming off its axis almost with you know <laughs> the the chart success at that time. Now um, I don't remember. I know I saw you guys at the South Hills Theater on the Lean Into a Tour, and I don't remember if it was pre or post that song, but did you notice that the the crowds start exploding at the live shows after that?
1: I uh, oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, I noticed uh, for, for two weeks, our audience got really young and really female. Um, and then as soon as it dropped to, like, number two, our audience went back to normal and was, you know, the the guys with the black sheep with the black t-shirts
2: <laughs> the black but, sheep but, yes yeah
1: but uh and, but really the, the main thing it did is it really opened doors for us internationally sure. you know we, we we started traveling to places that i'd never even heard of We're all, all of a sudden we're playing big shows in kuala lumpur malaysia and having having to tie our hair back because long hair is against the law mm-hmm. and you know just really stuff i had never dreamed of you know playing these stadiums in indonesia that, that kind of stuff and uh the, the, I think that the, the thing that I really enjoyed about it is it really, uh, it sort of it made it made it okay for Mister Big to not only be a, a shred band but also to be a vocal band. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that we all love. We, you know, we all grew up listening to, to the Beatles and and the, like the, a lot of the '60s pop bands that, that had a lot of singing. And everybody in the band does sing. And, and so that that's one thing I, I've come to really enjoy is not just the you know the sort of banter back and forth with, with Billy's bass and, and, and my solo stuff. But uh, but to be able to sing in, you know, four part harmony and, and that just feels great.
2: Yeah, I mean, you can certainly hear that on the new record. A lot of great harmonies, and um, you know, it's given you guys, I think, you know, something different to stand out above a lot of the bands of that era. So, and for a fan, you know, I remember hearing the song and was like, oh, I don't know if it's cool that Mr. Big's on the radio like this. Then I was like, this is the one Paul Gilbert solo I can actually play, so I'm going to be happy about that. (laughs) You know, for all the buying of the tab books, I could never figure out any of them, but that one at least I could get. So So it was within reach. Kudos for that. Um, now let me ask you um, on the new tour. I mean, are, what um, are you going to be able to infuse some of the new album into the to the live set, or do you guys still kind of working that out at this time? Well, I think
1: I mean we may. I, I can't remember what the release date of the record is, but we'll, you know it's it's a little strange playing songs that nobody has ever heard. So we'll probably wait. Right. You know, we'll, we'll be you know working the stuff up in sound check, and then you know when the when the when the music is out there, we'll probably start uh, bringing it out live. But it's, you know, obviously, the, since the record was recorded live, we know the stuff's going to work great.
2: Right. Yeah. I believe the new album is not until July, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, you're going to be out there a little bit ahead of it. Um, so we can expect a, a pretty good. You guys going to be mixing up through all the albums, or are you kind of lean heavy on the first few albums?
1: Well, it's um. You know, it's it's usually pretty obvious which ones are, are the, the the favorites, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's it's a long show, so we, we've we've got time to do the favorites, and we've got some time to throw in some surprises as well. Uh, and uh, it was, it's funny in the band we 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 tend to divide the work up. We, we sort of you know, our, our roles have become comfortable and established and and pat torpy our drummer is sort of he's the set list guy okay and he's got a really good instinct for it so uh we we usually just say you know pat what are we playing (laughs) what what am i learning on this one
2: gotta gotta be somebody to make that call that's a good idea it's better than four guys arguing over it exactly um now have you just to kind of turn our attention from mr big for a moment you've got over the last Ten years or so, kind of a nice selection of solo material that have come out. Have you got anything else in the works, or is that sort of a wait and see after the Mr. Big record dies down? Well,
1: what, what, yeah, the last record I did was um, called I Can Destroy, and I, I did a fair amount of touring for that um, all around the world. And then uh, I, I guess I mean I don't have plans for a. I mean I'm sure I'll do a new record at some point, but I don't have anything scheduled for it at the moment. Um, you know, this this the rest of the year is pretty much filled with Mr. Big stuff. Uh But the, the one thing I did release in um, in Japan is some live stuff that came out, and we actually recorded a show in the UK on my birthday, and it was my 50th birthday, and we just happened to have you know, a bunch of cameras there, and that was a really good show, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to work on um, you know, getting that mixed and and, and put that together because it was it it um, you know it's 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 funny when you do live albums, you know, you can never predict. Mm-hmm. If, if the show is going to be your best one on the tour, and that was actually the planets kind of aligned, and we we really had a great show, and, and we got it and recorded with, with multi-track and and with you know multi-cameras, so I'm really happy to have that one in in the vault. And, and I'm, I'm not sure what will come out, but you know it, I'm sure it will because it, it turned out great.
2: Awesome. Now, the one, one other project you did, it's been, I think, almost nine years ago. You did an album with Freddie Nelson, and we still get emails because Freddie was kind enough to join us on the show not long after that album came out of people asking if there's ever anything else in the, in the works for, for you and Freddie. Is, do you see the stars aligning at any point?
1: Oh, man, I'd, I'd love to. I mean, F- Freddie played on, on my that album, My Mission, that I Can't Destroy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one of his songs is on it. He sang lead on a bunch of stuff. And, uh, he also is on the DVD in, in Japan, uh, that, that just came out over there. Uh, and I think Freddie just came out with a solo album as, as well. And I, I love his voice. Really easy to work with guy. You know, he's, he's, he's fantastic. So yeah, I'd, I'd love to work with him. And, and I wish, you know, of, of all this. All the stuff I've done, that, that's a record that I really wish had gotten more attention because I, I think it, it turned out so good and it was, you know, the, 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 both the process and the result were really good on that record.
2: Yeah, it's a fantastic record. Kind of a lesser known album. I think a lot of people are kind of. You know, I know when we when we pull that out, we were like, well, what is that? And I think that's kind of cool that uh, you know to get people exposed to it. So hopefully down the road, you guys can do another album, to complete yeah. collaboration. But again, you're going to be coming to town on June 6th, doing a show in Warrendale. It's kind of a, up north from the city, from where you grew up, but uh, still in the, you know, the old hometown. So we wish you guys the best with the new album. Again, it's out July 7th, I believe. Uh, Define gravity, and we wish you all the best, Paul.
1: Fantastic. Thank you so much.
2: All right. I think, again, a big thanks to Paul Gilbert uh, for coming on the show, talking about the show in uh, Warren Dale at Jerkles June 6th, and also the new album Define Gravity available on July 7th. We're going to turn our attention now to a band uh, who's been on the show several times, uh, the band's Warrant. Uh, they've got a new album called La- Louder, Harder, Faster. And uh, they're going to be doing a show in October on the 13th out at uh, Jerkles also. So, we wanted to get on and learn a little bit about the new album, which just came out in mid-May. Uh, I know it's a little ways off for the show, but it gets you excited about the new album. Hopefully you get out there, buy it, uh, and uh, kind of absorb the new songs before they get into town. So without further ado, let's talk to the down boys. Here's Jerry Dixon of Bent Warrant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my pleasure to welcome to the show. From the band Warrant, we have bassist Jerry Dixon on the line. How are you doing, Jerry?
0: I'm doing fabulous. Fabulous, man. Great. How
2: are you doing? I'm doing very well. You guys are on the eve of releasing a new album, Louder, Harder, Faster, on Frontiers. Uh, this is your second album with Frontiers, uh, following up 2011's Rockaholic. Can you talk just a little bit on, on how the music maybe is a little bit different than Rockaholic, where, where you guys went direction-wise?
0: Yeah, we uh I think this record's a little more got a lot more uh raw emotion on it. It's not as polished as Rockaholic. Uh kind of on purpose. We just uh yeah, you know, we went in with the the notion of just, you know, let's go for the take and not try and make everything uh absolutely perfect. So mm-hmm. if we got something that felt good, we kept it. You know, whereas Rockaholic is, you know, technically pretty stellar <laughs> everything right. is yeah you know, lined up everything's perfect everything's just you know which is which is cool for that record but we wanted to try and get a little more raw mm-hmm. feeling on this one maybe capture a little magic you know and right. then uh, even if the magic wasn't perfect
2: exactly now um do you guys as far as writing i mean do you have at this point i mean do you have kind of defined roles in the writing process or is this kind of a democracy everybody brings a you know whatever riff they might have caught to the table and you flesh out the 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 good ones
0: yeah we you know what we just we kind of have an open door policy you know um eric writes a lot um sometimes i'll write with eric and then him and i will You know, do a song together and then Robert will sing it, or sometimes Robert will have a song that he's done on his own, um, or I'll have songs I've done on my own. And, you know, if the band likes it, they'll be like, cool, let's leave it like that. Or, you know, sometimes that idea will spark something else and Robert may say, hey, let me, you know, let's try these lyrics or this. I have these whole other song written that maybe we can combine them. So we just kind of let it, uh, let it happen and, you know, let everybody pitch in their ideas if they've got them, and uh, yeah, it was weird on, on this record, we pretty much, Robert and I you know, it was like a 50-50 thing like he did a lot of the lyrics and I did a lot of the music which mm-hmm. is different than Rockaholic, where we, we kind of you know, wrote a lot of melodies and lyrics together, but you know, knowing him better, I'm like, oh you know, I didn't really worry about that You know, I didn't really take a song and go, okay, I'm gonna finish this whole thing. I I left, you know, I kind of had the road map, and then I would go, okay, Robert, mail this.
2: I'm gonna see what he does
0: first. You know?
2: Yeah. Now, do you kind of scat out a a vocal melody, or do you leave that to Robert to kind of put? Well,
0: unfortunately for the band, I do sing Mm. (laughs) really bad,
2: and that's all right. Someone, (laughs) someone's got to, you know, come up with the melody. I think that sometimes might be the hardest part of songwriting
0: yeah yeah on the yeah a lot of times i'll I'll sing a lot of times I'll do the demo here and then then Robert comes over thank God and we'll mm-hmm. sing sing over what I did, which is always a glorious day at my house
2: absolutely <laughs> now are you guys geographically kind of located i know a lot of bands that you know of the era that you came from or kind of geographically dispersed all over the country and it's all just a pro tools files via dropbox sort of thing anymore uh are you guys physically in one location or do you set aside times of the year where we're just gonna you know hole up at someone's studio and, and bash this out
0: yeah we're not good at the writing via email you know we we tried doing that mm-hmm. and it just it just nothing was getting done so you know we went old school and uh you know, Robert, he lives in Arizona. It's about five hours. I live in Vegas. So we would just go back and forth, um, between, between his house and my house and, uh, get it done that way. And then, you know, then we took the time, you know, to go sit in a room with the band and, and we'd go over all the songs and all the parts and rehearse everything. So it, I wish we could have do it the other way. It'd be a lot easier, but it just, uh, it just seems like that never, never works for us. So we all
2: get in a room. Yeah, I mean, you've got to admit there are full bands out there that do nothing but email. I, I think we've had you know some bands on the show even where I'm not sure if the singer had met the guitarist before they put the album together. So <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with you all getting together and doing it.
0: Yeah, like yeah, we're old school. Yeah, we do it the old-fashioned way.
2: You know, as far as touring. Um, at this stage of your career, do you guys tend to do, like, the fly-in weekend thing, or are you guys planning on, you know, getting the RV or the bus and, and taking that on the road six nights a week?
0: No, we. you know what? I think for the last probably 12 years we've done nothing but fly dates, mm-hmm. and uh, we enjoy it, you know. We've been on the bus, you know, for 20 years, and uh, the smell of a bus makes us all sick. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to be on a bus, you know, so mm-hmm. it's – uh <laughs> So the flying thing's cool you you still uh you know what what we do is you kind of eliminate those off nights like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. you know those filler clubs or shitty shows that you do to to get to the good shows on the weekend. so we just eliminate that and uh, you still have a little bit of a life at home. you know we usually leave on Wednesdays or Thursdays and come home Sundays so it's 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 kind of the best of both worlds, you know.
2: Yeah, you've got almost you know at this point in your career a normal you know kind of uh, schedule for a working guy, you know maybe a yeah, yeah tra- for a traveling job at least. You
0: yeah, know. it's been really uh, been really cool.
2: Exactly. Now, um, do you guys? I know you have some dates into into June and stuff on your website. Do, do you plan on doing you know a string of dates into the fall, or, or what is the touring, or you know is it all going to be domestic? Or are you doing anything in Europe? What, what's um, 2017 look on, like?
0: We, we would like to go to Europe at some point, and maybe Australia. Um, but it seems like we only get offers for one or two shows. And it's like, ah, we you know, it's not worth it to go that far Absolutely. unless we can do a week or two. So that that's on the table for those two markets, maybe Japan, Japan. Um, And then we plan on being super busy. Yeah, we're just we're still booking a lot of shows in the states, so uh, you know we're constantly adding shows pretty much every day. So it's going to be a busy year.
2: Yeah. Now, is for a band like yourself, who's been around, and you guys have always had a plethora of album sales. Does a new album really make that much difference in your touring schedule, or is you know you guys I imagine are pretty darn busy, you know, whenever you want to be
0: yeah we are <laughs> it, we it, we we mainly do the records for the fans and and you know selfishly for us just to mm-hmm. to keep things fresh for us and keep the juices flowing um so it's really just for the love of the game and it and it certainly does help the touring mm-hmm. you know it, it it gives you like a whole new wave of you know like stuff like this interviews and you get you know talk about the touring and it gets you know more people out so we we're going to, you know, try and do records every five years or so. Just, You know, we just enjoy doing it. And, uh, you know, we're not the type of band that's just going to rest on, on the past and yeah. beat that to death. You know, we want to, we want to be relevant and, uh, you know, current and still have, you know, new products out all the time.
2: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I know some very large band just had a very large squabble over, you know, the idea of are we a nostalgia band or are we going to make new music and you know, continue to be fulfilling our needs as artists. So it's, it's always refreshing for me to hear musicians say they want to create, you know, new albums as opposed to yeah, you know, just go yeah, out you and,
0: just you got to do it for the love of it. You know, it's not definitely not going to get rich off them anymore, but uh, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it just does something to your soul. You just you feel like you know, like okay, you get all these ideas and they all come out, and then you know, every once in a while you get one, and we usually play one song off each new record. Mm-hmm.
2: Live and uh, it, it's cool.
0: It it just keeps keeps everybody fresh and and uh, you know and and keeps your mind sharp.
2: <laughs> yeah. Now you mentioned Japan um, in particular. You know, when I think of of an audience that probably still chooses stuff up, uh, is Japan still a pretty healthy market for album sales for you guys?
0: Um.
2: It yeah. We do well
0: there, but we we haven't gone. Over to Japan and probably 20 years, or Europe, or anywhere. You know, we kind of went backwards. You know, a lot of bands when they started their careers didn't really get popular in the states, so they would they would go to Europe and they would go work these markets. And uh, we were always the opposite. We were so busy here. We were always on tour. Yeah. You know, I think we went out for two years at a time and at the end of that they're like you want to go to europe and we're like are you kidding me no
2: I just want to go we're to so, sleep yeah
0: we're, yeah well, i want to go to bed we're done you know then the next record would come out back in the day and like yeah oh, you want to go to japan Yeah. You know, two years on the road we're like no we just don't <laughs> you know we're, we're thrash Is so it... uh i wish we i wish we would have spent more you know more time laying a base around the world than we than we did but
2: let me take you back um i was kind of curious to get your memories on when you first came i remember when you first came to pittsburgh cuz i i went to that show and you were playing in the basement of a theater um right after the dirty rotten filthy stinking rich album came out and then at the very next tour you were playing a 20,000 seat shed in the same town um and i remember you know i did not too many bands went from that small to that big that quick um was it something that you were able to soak up at all or, or is it just a complete blur in those kind of two three years
0: yeah you know our biggest success yeah it really you kind of nailed it right there it was really only you know about three years mm-hmm. and then it was poof it was gone yeah <laughs> you know? so it went you know because we were actually we were almost a 90s band
2: you know yeah we were darn close
0: yeah, Dirty Rotten was, I think, 89. And, uh, we just made the tail end of that, you know. And I think when Doggy Dog came out, that's when, uh, that's when the grunge hit. So we, it was a real short window, you know. Um, but back then, you, you kind of lived in a bubble. You mm-hmm. didn't, we didn't really, you know, there was no satellite t- televisions in the bus. There was no cell phones. There were no video cameras. There was, You know, your manager, our manager would come out like once a month and bring a pile of papers and go, okay, look, you guys are charting here and you sold this many and you did this and then you're going to play bigger. It's like, okay, cool, man. You know, the the magnitude of what was happening, you know, wasn't so evident, you know. Right. You just kind of were out, you were out kind of the Lone Rangers on a bus, (laughs) you know, playing wherever you you could, you know, venue, you know. Yeah, yeah, man. we used to go to the clubs after the twenty thousand seat arenas and play again.
2: Right? Yeah, I just remember it seemed like kind of a whirlwind, and you guys certainly made you know I, I think the success of Cherry Pie that kind of I think put you guys into that you know headline arena sort of status. Uh, but it was amazing to see how quick it went. You know, I mean, certain bands. Yeah. You know, I look at like Great White, another band that you know I think kind of had some pretty good chart success around the same time with the Twice Shy album. You know those guys worked like dogs for, for you know, a decade and you know to get to that and you guys just put it like a blink of an eye but then unfortunately in the flash of a flash it was over and you know the popularity of the music waned so quickly. Yeah, um,
0: that was shocking. That was like, yeah. wow,
2: really? <laughs> Can you? Where's all our fr-
0: Where's all our friends at the label? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, where's the label? That's a different question. Um, yeah. Right. Let me ask you. Um, the Dog Eat Dog album has been now 25 years and I think a lot of people might consider artistically that might have been, you know, kind of maybe the most sophisticated album of the, of the first 3. Any particular memories of that album? You know, did you guys kind of consciously put a different style in into the music, uh, you know, or was it just sort of yeah, naturally seeped in because of what was going on around you? No,
0: we really, we kind of called that like our coming out record.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, the
0: the first record was all the songs we played in the club. So that was pretty much a done deal. And then the second record was supposed to be a little heavier with, you know, like the first single was supposed to be Uncle Tom's Cabin and, mm-hmm. you know, Cherry Pie was written after that record was done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all know what happened there. That came out and it was the name of the record and it was just kind of an afterthought so uh, we we said all right, let's get back to Uncle Tom's Cabin and just write us you know that kind of a vibe and, and a record that's a little more serious you know we're a little mm-hmm. bit more grown up and
1: mm-hmm.
0: so we really we really feel like that that was what we were supposed to be that that was like we were all so proud of that record like this yeah. is Warren you know right. we're not we're not all ballads you know that I mean we did the ballads that was just the formula. You know, yeah, we were kind of first two records you're kind of told what to do
2: absolutely and
0: you need this many ballads and this ballad comes out then the rock song well, this you know by doggy dog we just said fuck it we're gonna do we're gonna do what we want to do you know
2: yeah and I think you know listening back to that album today you can really tell I mean obviously there's a nostalgia of all the you know the kind of the radio hits of the first two albums but you know when you listen to it is you know you kind of clear your mind and say okay what was this band about i think the third album is such a representative album um
0: right right yeah stuff. definitely uh definitely was our prize possession you know it was a, just a bummer just the weird timing you know that record couldn't have been any worse
2: yeah well i mean i guess in hindsight i mean something worked you're still doing it 25 years after that album you know you guys yeah. are still still uh um, Making great music, and I want to congratulate you guys on the new album. It's a
1: fantastic you. record.
2: You. Uh, you can get louder, harder, faster. It'll be out uh, May 12th, I believe, in the States on Frontier Records and all the iTunes and Amazons of the world. And uh, Jerry, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to talk to us, man.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate the support, bud.
2: All right. Take care. All right. A very special thank you to Jerry Dixon of Warrant and also Paul Gilbert of Mr. Big both bands will be playing at Jurgles in Warrendale. Uh, Mr. Big will be there on June 6th, Warrant will be there on October 13th so uh, you can get tickets for both of those uh, through DruskyEntertainment.com, or if you visit Jurgles website uh, both bands have uh, albums either out now which in the case of Warrant's Louder Harder Faster is available now um, Mr. Big will be releasing their album in July so it's just around the corner uh, and I have to say uh, I can tell you just from my own experience listening to the album uh, what a thrill it was the moment you put the album on and I think anybody who gets a chance to listen to the album or the minute you hear the album who loved the first record will really get a charge out of the way they started out this second uh, or this I'm sorry this latest album well, certainly not the second album I don't want to overlook uh, several albums and in between so a really fantastic album they're back with the original producer Uh, So it's really, I think, a return to form for the band. I know they went through a lot. Uh, Drummer Pat Torpy uh, suffering from Parkinson's disease, so we we wish him well in his recovery, and he is doing some drumming on the tour. They have another drummer joining them on the road as well, so look forward to seeing the band uh, back when they get into town. So without further ado, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, You can visit us at ironcityrocks.com. We are on Facebook YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are forward slash Iron City Rocks. You can message us at ironcityrocks at com or use the contact link on our homepage. Uh, we really appreciate hearing from any anyone with any thoughts. If you've got a band you want to suggest, hey, how about this band? We haven't heard from this band in a while. What are they up to? Why don't you get them on the show? Love to get suggestions from you guys on what you want to hear. Uh if there's things you don't like about the show, let us know as well. We're certainly open to uh constructive criticism. So uh, we always appreciate anyone taking the time to drop us a line. So until next time, we want to thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. Take care.